0: second book of Timothy. As for you, always be sober, enduring suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Carry out your ministry fully. As for me, I am already being poured out as a libation. And the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Do your best to come to me soon, for Demas, in love with this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Cretus has gone to Galatia, Titus to Demaltea. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in the ministry. I have sent Tychus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus, Atrocious, also the books, and above all, the parchments." Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
1: reading from the Gospel according to Luke. Jesus, filled with the power of the Spirit, returned to Galilee, and a report about him spread through all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Hear what the Spirit is saying to God's people.
2: Thanks be to God.
3: Good evening, and welcome to Trinity. Welcome to Evensong, whether you're joining us in person or online. I'm BJ Owens. I'm the dean of Trinity. And it's my pleasure to welcome you this evening. Uh, For those of you who are part of the Trinity congregation, I'd like to remind you that we have just a week and a half left on our stewardship season. So I thank you for your continued gifts that support this and all the many ministries of Trinity. And I ask you to remember, if you haven't had a chance to turn in a, a make a pledge for next year, I hope you will soon. Uh, Just um, one brief service note. Depending on how many hours Father Gaston preaches for, uh, I may have to step away, either in the midst of the sermon or very soon after, simply because of a prior commitment. I'm not going because of your sermon. I'm not unwell. I will not have been raptured, at least not that I expect at this time. I just wanted to let you know uh, so as not to be disruptive. Finally, it's a great pleasure always to welcome uh, Paul Gaston. As our preacher this evening, Paul served here as the acting dean during the interim. He has since served several congregations as an interim rector. He is now a priest of blessed leisure, uh, but I think staying very busy as well. It's a great pleasure to welcome Father Paul Gaston.
1: And I, I will take seriously homily as opposed to so. It would probably be unwise for a priest, for any priest, to choose a favorite gospel. So I will, I will not do so. But if I were to do so, I would choose the gospel of Luke. And so it is a happy coincidence for me that on this evening, we recall in particular the writings of the evangelist we know as Luke. What we know about Luke comes to us almost entirely from the New Testament, particularly from the gospel that bears his name and from his other major contribution, the book of Acts. But even what we say we know may be more accurately described as a kind of conjecture or belief. We believe that Luke was a physician, and thus in the colic that you just heard, we pray that the church may continue to embody Luke's love and power to heal. Paul's letter to the Colossians appears to corroborate this, by reporting a follower who is a physician. And some of Luke's vocabulary points in that direction. We believe also that Luke may not have been Jewish. Now his, his continuing focus on the temple in Jerusalem should make us pause, but the environment that he describes from the very beginning of his gospel is that of the Roman Empire, an environment that would prove ideal for the spread of Christianity far beyond Judea. What we can say definitively is that the Gospel of Luke is the source of many of our most familiar biblical narratives, stories we find in no other gospel. To begin with, there is the Christmas story. When Linus takes the stage to introduce the Christmas pageant in Peanuts, he recites the beginning of the second chapter of the Gospel of Luke. In those days, a decree went out from Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. It is Luke who describes the shepherds in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. It is Luke who records the revelation that Simeon experiences when Jesus is presented at the temple, a moment captured in the Noctimittis, which you have heard this evening. Lord, you now have set your servant free to go in peace, as you have promised. Luke is the author also of several notable parables, including that of the prodigal son, and that of the good Samaritan, both of which prompt us to reconsider familiar assumptions in favor of a more humane and generous perspective. I've often observed in in homilies and sermons that Luke makes the Good Samaritan memorable not by describing who he is, but by telling us what he does. Reread the story and you'll you'll see what I mean. Even Luke's description of the crucifixion is distinctive. It is from his gospel that we learn of Christ's pronouncing forgiveness from the cross and his assurance to the thief of a place in paradise. It is in the Gospel of Luke that we find the words in which Jesus commends his spirit to God. It is also to Luke, as author of the book of Acts, that we owe our basic understanding of the church's early history, the dramatic expansion of its evangelistic mission, mission that begins with the the efforts of Jewish Christians to convert their fellow Jews and then there are the first attempts reaching out just a little further to convert the Samaritans. They were at least in the same neighborhood. Finally there is the reaching out to Gentiles and it is Luke who affirms that Jews and Gentiles stand on an equal footing in God's kingdom. I admire Luke also for the quality of his writing. Alone among the Gospels, Luke is notable for naming names, for detailed descriptions of customs, for its preference for specifics over generalities. A good example of that may be found in our reading this evening from the fourth chapter in which which Luke describes a, a memorable early moment in Jesus's ministry. Jesus is in Nazareth, his hometown in Galilee. And he is, as we might say of people today, he is active in his church. We might describe him as a kind of lay reader. On the occasion described here, Jesus is given a text to read. A text that happens to be a reading from a scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And so Jesus reads it. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind. To let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. To this point, there's nothing unusual. When Jesus sits down, he is expected to say a few words, a kind of brief homily, a few words that would alert those in the synagogue to the, to the emphases. In the reading. But then there comes a decisive moment, as Jesus says simply, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus thus takes upon himself the Spirit of the Lord. He reveals that he considers himself anointed to bring good news to free captives, to heal the blind, to let the oppressed go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, the biblical scholars among you will want to point out that accounts similar in some way may be found in both Mark and Matthew. But these accounts are placed later in the ministry of Jesus. It is only Luke, says the editor Joseph Fitzmaier, only Luke that deliberately puts this story at the beginning of the public ministry to encapsulate the entire ministry of Jesus. To which I would respond, it's a good example of what I like about the Gospel of Luke. There are many sermons and homilies that might be found in this brief narrative from Luke. But I would draw your attention this evening simply to the quiet but powerful art of Luke's telling. In this most ordinary of settings, a neighborhood synagogue with the most familiar of witnesses, Jesus' Nazareth neighbors. Jesus is given the routine assignment of reading from scripture. And then everything is changed. Everything is changed. Only Luke would choose to place the narrative of Jesus' birth in a stable. Only Luke would offer such an undramatic setting for Jesus' revelation of his divine commission. And only Luke could offer to us so directly and dramatically a sense of the present, our present, in describing a moment in an obscure synagogue in Nazareth. Because when Jesus Startles the congregation with the words, Today the scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. We are meant to be startled as well. And we should be. Because, like Simeon, we are free to go in peace as God has promised. Because we have seen the Savior offered for all the world. Amen.
4: leaflets that give the a weekly music details for song that the anthem is credited to uh, Stephen Miller, and that is entirely my typo from a few weeks ago. I did correct it, but these copies got made before I made that correction. The composer's name is really Stephen Brown, and uh, at the risk of Uh, wading into the political arena. A number of us agreed that it was rather unlikely that Stephen Miller would probably join us for Evensong here at Trinity Cathedral, even more unlikely that he would have contributed such an insightful and imaginative and dramatic setting of Herbert's wonderful poem, Prayer. So we thank Stephen Brown, who is with us tonight, seated right here in the first row, with his wife and with Eileen Gaston. So it's wonderful to uh, be a part of this uh, Brown-Gaston reunion. They have known each other for a good chunk of lifetime. So it's, it's a great pleasure to be a small part of your uh, togetherness tonight. And Stephen, thank you for giving us this splendid creation.
5: Yeah, i